Thank you so much to our, our choir and that wonderful word of worship this morning. Amen. Thank the Lord so much. We want to now get into our word for the day on this morning. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this hour, for our word today. We ask that you would allow your word to work through us. Father God, prepare our hearts and mind for your word today, dear Lord. May the devil be horrified at what you're getting ready to do through us right now. Let these words come up out of the regular and the mundane into the supernatural. And may our hearts be lifted, Father God, and prepare us for what you will have us do for you. Let us be ready today now for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that's inevitable in life is that nothing stays the same. Change is inevitable. And those of us that have got some years behind us can testify to the fact that a lot of things have changed from music to cars to phones, even refrigerators. And our bodies are a testament even as we've advanced in years to that some changes have taken place and some of those changes have triggered some other changes. And some of those changes are lifestyle changes. Lifestyle changes are not just always triggered by age. Some of them are triggered by injuries. Some of them are even triggered by choice. But lifestyle changes sometimes are often misinterpreted to be just temporary changes, just some little bitty changes here and there. But a lifestyle change is exactly what it means. It's a change in your lifestyle. It changes how, the, how you're living or the way that you've been living. For example, if you have a leg amputated, if you lose a limb or you lose your vision, you're going to be making some lifestyle changes. You're going to have to change the way you've been getting around. You're going to have to change the way you get dressed. You're going to have to change the way you drive. You're going to have to change maybe even the way you eat, change the way you shower, change even maybe the way you sleep, those type of things. And it's not only in the way that you change your behavior. It's also going to affect the way you think. You're going to have to accept the fact now that you're going to have to except the fact that you can't get around the way you used to. You're going to have to now rely on people or even other objects to do some of the things that you want to do in life. If you no longer choose to eat meat or you develop some serious food allergies, you're going to be making some lifestyle changes. Even if you inherit tomorrow $10 million, you're going to be making some lifestyle changes. However, the same should apply when you say you surrender your life to Christ and make God your Lord and Savior. There should now be some lifestyle changes, not only in the way we behave, but also in the way we think. We should also be changing the way we communicate, the places we go, the folks we hang around with, the way we handle our money, and the way we use our time. But we should now also be thinking differently what it means to love, to forgive, to give. 
to persevere, to suffer, to sacrifice, to honor, to praise, to pray, and to serve. In keeping with our rooted and grounded theme, we're in week seven, how to make the most of your life. We're now in part two. We were focused on in our serving and in service. So today I want to continue with that theme and talk about a lifestyle of service. Our text will come from Romans 12 and, and other scriptures following that, but we'll mostly spend our time walking through Romans 12. And Paul spends time in chapters 1 through 11 we're talk, talking first about the wrath of God and, and the consequences of sin and now how we've been justified through faith so we don't have to face those consequences because Christ died for us while we were still in sin, but now we're justified by faith. And even though we wrestle with sin, we don't have to worry about those consequences now. And so God did a whole lot for us in chapters 1 through 11, but when it gets to chapter 12, he starts talking about our response to what he did for us in chapter 1 through 11. Because then what's the point of having all the doctrine and then not having any response to it? Because that's like going to school, paying all that money, spending all that time getting your law degree, and then you never practice law. And so chapter 12 lays down the foundation for a dedication a lifestyle of dedicated service to God first, and then not only to him, but to others within the church, but then also outside the church. So three things I want to show you around this start regarding a lifestyle of service. Point one, you must first make yourself available to serve. That's the first thing. You must first make yourself available to serve. A lifestyle change must always start with a decision. Just like everything else we partake in, and a lifestyle of service is no different. You must first make the decision to be available to serve. Look at verse 1. Romans 12, 1 says, to present our bodies to God. It says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So it says, present our bodies to God as a living and holy sacrifice. Now, sacrifice is such a scary word to the Christian today, which is probably why Paul is, made, is practically pleading here in verse 1 in this particular passage, and it's probably even more true of the modern Christian today. The thought of having to sacrifice anything on this journey just gives folks pause and gives them a lot of cause for grief and anxiety because sacrifice is, is, is costly. It requires us to give up something of value, and it's meant to be painful. And that's the challenge for us, especially in this day and age of what's all about me. We are inundated today of social media, reality TV, marketing, and advertising, self-help books, and all other types of media today promoting secular humanism and the inner you and your happiness. Even in Burger King still has as this promoting theme, you can have it your way, and now they've added in you rule. And so you get to promote yourself and push yourself today. And that's what's going on in the world, and even in the gospel. Some of our churches, our preaching styles, are being pushed down, not only without pushing of what it means to be holy and pure 
and obedient, but it's all about making you happy. So no wonder folks are skittish when the word sacrifice is brought up today. Not only are we being urged to present ourselves as a sacrifice, but it's also saying we must be a living sacrifice. It's not like the dead sacrifice in the Old Testament where it's a one and done deal, but rather it's a living sacrifice. So it's a continuous ongoing thing. Not only do I have to make that sacrifice to be available, but it's something I have to do every day, all the time, whenever I have to make, whenever I can make that opportunity. And if not, not challenging enough for us, Paul throws in another doozy and he adds in holy, which means to be pure without spot or blemish and set apart. So present yourself a living and holy sacrifice because that is what's acceptable and pleasing first unto God. And so you voluntarily present yourself to God as an available servant, as it says, which is, a spiritual, which is your spiritual service of worship. And I like the King James Version there because it says it's your reasonable service, meaning that's the least you can do concerning what God has done for you in chapters 1 through 11. And so you do that by being a holy and living sacrifice, not only in behavior, but also by changing the way you think regarding service, not as the world thinks. Because it says there, right there, Scripture says to be transformed, not conformed to the world by the renewing of your mind. As it says there in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Meaning that we can no longer think about this thing called service like the world does, but we now need to think about service with a whole new attitude. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 and 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Meaning we need to have a mind about us like Christ does, as it says in Philippians 2 and 5, have this attitude in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Because you see, the world thinks about service differently. The world thinks that you're prominent if folks are serving you. But Jesus thought differently, as he says in Matthew 36 and 20. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And in Mark 10, 45, look what he says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, the world thinks serving is beneath some folk. But Jesus didn't think that way, as he said in John 13, 16. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. See, we got this thing twisted up in the world today, and we can't get caught up into thinking like them if we're going to be like-minded with Christ. We're called first to be servants. See, we're not celebrities. We're not here for others to make us big, as pastor said, but we're here to grow others. It all starts with your decision to change your lifestyle to be one of service by first being available to serve whenever the opportunity arrives. It is often said the best, avail the best ability is availability. So first, you must make yourself available to serve. The second thing is you must discover your gifts and area of service for the body to function efficiently. 
you must first discover your gifts and area of service for the body to function efficiently. The next step in developing a lifestyle of service is to find an area where you can serve doing what you do best or utilizing what the Lord gave you. So the first thing I want to do is give a shout out to all the folks that are serving today. Because some folks have no idea what it means or what it even takes to get a worship service going. From the music to the microphones to the app to the ushers and to the greeters and to the outlines and even to the clean bathrooms. Our churches couldn't operate without the faithful members who show up here each and every week for the various ministries that we have available to our members. And so it appears that we look like we got it all covered at the Good Hope Church. Yet the front lines spell it differently. They tell a different story as statistics show that roughly only 40% of the members from the youth and adults are engaged in volunteer activity. And that was before the pandemic. Jesus himself said it, and it still holds true today, yet the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Unfortunately, the problem is that even with that 40%, either folks aren't either serving at all, or they're serving in the wrong spot, making the body inefficient. Now, we've addressed why some folks aren't serving in our first point due to lack of availability, but some folks don't serve because they feel like they don't have a place to fit in anywhere or that they don't have any skills or gifts of anything to be of use. Well, just as God has granted to each a delta each a measure of faith, he has also given each of us gifts according to his grace. Look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy or preaching in proportion to our faith. In seven, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, verse 8, he who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now these are just some of the gifts given. More can be found in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12. And those gifts have been given to us for use in the body to function. But it's up to us to discover those gifts that's been given to us and then put those gifts to work in the kingdom. In Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should work in them. And in 2 Timothy 3.17 it says, So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The key word there is work. We got to do some work. Those gifts were given to us to put them to work. And those good works were expected to be demonstrated in one of two places. Look at it. Within the community of faith. Look at verse 10. Romans 12 verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. And jump down to verse 13. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. There are plenty of opportunities here at the Good Hope Church where you can serve. And that's the beauty of the local church because the church is the only place on earth that's always hiring. There's never a shortage of work in the church. There's never going to, you will never find a ministry that's, always, that's going to say, we got too many members or we can't take, we can't take any more people. You're, always, you're never going to find a ministry saying that. You are never going to find an usher saying, 
We can't take any more people. You're never going to find the greeter saying, we can't take any more people. You're never going to find the children's ministry saying, we can't take any more people. Everybody's not, everybody's not happy when we say we're going to two services when we ain't got enough folk. More folk mean that everybody doesn't have to work two services every week. You get more folk in the children's ministry, everybody doesn't have to work two services. Everybody doesn't have to be here every week. You get more folks in the ushers, everybody doesn't have to work two services, and everybody doesn't have to work every week. Say amen, ushers. You will never find more, more folk in here saying we, don't, we can't take any more people. We can't take any more people in the worship service, in the worship ministry. We can't take any more people in the parking lot. You will never find any, there's never a shortage of work in the church. But you can still honor and serve one another. You don't have to be in the ministry for that. It's helping seasoned saints get to their car after the service. Help them get a plate in their view. Helping ladies get off the stage. It's visiting or contacting the sick and shut-in. Taking someone home who's riding the bus. To help jumpstart a member's car in the parking lot. For, you know, there's all types of other examples where you can serve one another here at the church. Hebrews 6 and 10 said, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work in the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. Those are all examples of honoring one another within the community of faith. But we are also created to utilize those gifts and be outside the community of faith. Take a look at verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. We're also to be mindful of those outside the community of faith, as verse 16 says. Don't get too comfortable or clickish and have your eyes only on to deal with associate with folks within the church. But we need to be associating ourselves with those outside your circle that are considered to be of lower stature. Now that word associate with in the Greek literally means to be carried away by like a flood that sweeps someone away. So the idea is not to shy away or resist association, but to be totally swept away in it. That means no task is too low, no place is too nasty, no conversation is too uncomfortable for you to be reach out and be a blessing to someone who is in a lesser condition, a lower socioeconomic stature than yourself. Again, plenty of opportunities here at Good Hope alone to serve folk outside the community of faith, from the youth to the seniors. Upward Sports, for example, is an outreach that caters not only to the folk within, but outside the community of faith. Our prison ministry that we have here provides opportunities to serve the unchurched. Food pantry is another ministry that caters to the unchurched as well. I serve on the, food on the food pantry. We pray with folk. We provide research with the folk. I personally have given rides to, to folk that need a ride sometimes. We help move, jumpstart people's cars, move people's cars, all types of, of ways that we minister to the unchurched here at the food pantry other than just giving them food. We also have holiday events here on campus. The uh, Halloween, uh, Halloween be that day, Halloween be that night, those type of things. The Easter egg hunt uh, offers it to, to the unchurched. You know, we had a baby blessing that unchurched folk came over here to that where you can minister. There's always all types of venues 
where we can where we can partner with folks rooted in ground to service events. Again, we partner with venues that cater to unchurched, but we go and minister them as well. There are a number of other examples where there are opportunities to serve and interact with those outside the community of faith. So there's no longer a reason now not to put some doolaloolah with your Sunday hallelujah. Cause there, but there are far too many folks that are just comfortable with sitting on their faith and allowing the 40% to carry the load that puts a tremendous burden on the body of Christ. There's also a percentage of folks serving that are serving in the wrong place that also makes the body work inefficiently or not effectively. Serving in the wrong spot can look like this. They're either not utilizing their particular gifts or skills in the right area, or they're in the wrong area with the right skills. For example, there's a saint with great finance skills or great internet skills, but they're serving in the nurse children's nursery. Or a saint with the gift of prayer, but they're not serving on the prayer ministry. They're not saying if there's anything wrong with having a passion for the children, but we must also be sensitive to the gifts God gave to us. And as it says in verse eight, to exercise them accordingly. So another picture is someone serving of someone serving in the wrong spot or trying to serve in the area where they would like to be, but don't have the skills to be in that area. These are the folks that the scripture talks about in verse three, where don't be thinking more highly of yourself than you are. You know, you know, you know, the folk, folk that want to be in the choir, but they can't sing or they don't have or they want to be the lead singer in the choir. But you can't hit the notes that the lead singer can. You know, or folk who want to be in charge of a ministry or charge of a group, but you don't necessarily have the particular skills or gifts to lead or be an administrator. You know, I remember when I was a youth, I used to play basketball, and my, and my idol was, 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 was Allen Iverson. And you know, when Allen Iverson had that mean crossover, the boy could handle the ball, and I used to try to emulate him, boy, but I had to accept the fact that I got small hands and I just can't handle the ball right. So I had, but I had a mean jumper, I can tell you that much. And, and I had to accept the fact that I was better serve the team as the two guard, the shooting guard, rather than the point guard, you know. But in order to develop a lifestyle of service, you're going to have to get comfortable with the fact that it's not about you. It's about the team. It's about God getting glory through you for the team. So when you accept Christ, God gave you gifts and along with a measure of faith for you to function inside the body of Christ. But you got to serve in your part. You got to do your part because every part of the body is valuable for the overall function of the body. And there's no such thing as a non-serving member of the body. But all members do not have the same function. There may be a bunch of us in this church that have the gift of preaching. But all of us will not function in the body of Christ as shepherds. Amen. So you must make yourself available for service and you must find your area of service where your gifts and skills are best utilized for the body to function properly. And the final one is you must serve with passion and enthusiasm. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to what service looks like in action. I'll never forget when I was in eighth grade in band. And my band teacher must have gotten paid on the day we had practice because he always seemed to go cash, either cash or deposit his check 
at the bank just before practice. All I know is that whenever he seemed to, whenever he came to practice, he would come to practice with a rant after having just come from the bank. And he would come in there upset and angry at the ladies that worked at the bank. And so apparently they were over there smacking on their gun, yelling at each other across the bank. You got them forms, girl. And, and, and he said he was just mad they were lazy, shuffling around, being loud. And he would drill into us about how to be professional, how to act like you want to be at work, and just how to do things right on the job, especially because we were black. And even to this day, when I go into an establishment, that's the first thing I look for when I go in there is us being professional when I go into a stab because of my eighth grade band teacher. But also, my mama used to tell me when I was a kid, and for some reason, she always used to tell me when I was in, my, in the bed. And, you know, she would stand in the doorway and give me words of wisdom. I, I never understood why she did that, but that was usually when she did it. And one day, she stood in the doorway and she said, you know, son, if you take a job, do that job. If you don't like that job, then go get you another job. But when you take that job, then you do that job because you agreed to take that job. Now, I didn't grow up in church, but those same principles apply. As Paul was speaking about here in verse 10 and 11, when it comes to our passion and enthusiasm, when it comes to service to the Lord. Let's read what it says in verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. In verse 11, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Now the word lagging there means being lazy or slothful. That's the same Greek word used by Christ in the parable of the talents about the servant in Matthew 25 who buried his master's money in the ground instead of at least investing it. It's also the same word used in, 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 in uh, Proverbs 6 and 6 when the writer described the sluggard needing to go to the ant for an example of a hard worker. Diligence can, is defined to be with zeal or quickly or with attentiveness. And, and that word fervent there literally means to boil or to show enthusiasm with passion, which is opposed to lukewarm, um, spoke of in the church of Laodicea in, in Revelation 3. So Paul is saying basically have an attitude of excellence with an attitude of excellence. Get after being a servant for the Lord with some passion and enthusiasm. It's, it's more than just emotionalism because that's rooted in feelings. And we know how feelings can get as they tend to go up and down and come and go with the wind of the day and circumstances. It speaks more to about a burning um, of a, a boiling or burning conviction about something. You know, like that conviction you're willing to go to court, you know, over or risk your job or even your life over. Um, not to say that it's Going, it won't be difficult at times to maintain your fervor at a high level. However, it's up to us to keep up our spirits and not allow ourselves to get stagnant and bored in our service, but rather remain focused and intentional. We have to keep up our enthusiasm and energy when we're serving because our target is an awesome God. Jesus is the inspiring motive. Look at Colossians 3 and 23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily 
for that's the Lord rather than for men. In verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. In Ephesians 6 and 7, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men. We always keep our focus on Jesus. All that we do, we're doing it for him. You know, I took my rooting and grounded group this past week to Loaves and Fishes for our service experience. And there was a woman there volunteering who was a member of the New Hope Church down in Manville. And uh, she was a regular volunteer there, comes every Tuesday and uh, maybe twice a week sometimes. And she brings a big group with her there on, Monday, on uh, every once a month on Saturday. And, uh, and after she leaves on Tuesday, she takes about 20 to 30 go boxes with her under the bridge and uh, gives them to the folks down there who can't make it over, uh, worried about losing their tents or injuries or something like that. And uh, they can't make their way to the food kitchen. And while we were there serving, she was working the room, uh, attending to everybody, praying with them, you name it. And uh, she knew who everybody was. She knew who all was new. She was familiar with that practically everybody's story there. And she welcomed all of us and with a passion and hug and an effort to get to know all of us. Now, you're talking about an example of a person exhibiting a lifestyle of service. There wasn't a member of our group who wasn't inspired and touched by her. And if we felt that way, I can only imagine how the folks that, she, that we serve felt when they see her. Now, we should all be inspired to serve in a manner like this when we get called and have our opportunity. Because at the end of the day, we're in a service industry and we win souls to Christ based on our perception of how we serve. When folks come to church or to any church, the goal isn't just to pack them in the church, it's to get them in to meet the Savior. You know, and how we serve goes a long way to reaching that goal. Because no one wants to come meet a Savior whose servants are lazy and who are rude, unavailable and selfish. All of us are here today because of servants that made themselves available, allowed the Lord to use them, and were passionate about making us feel like we were important to them. And so if you were a customer rating your service, would you come back? Would you rate yourself a good servant? Serving the Lord is not always practical or convenient, but we don't serve for ourselves, but for a Savior who first gave himself inconveniently for us. And when we keep that focus in mind, serving others becomes a lifestyle. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love your name. We thank you once again for an opportunity, Father God, to, to hear your word and, and to represent you, dear Lord. We, we thank you right now, dear God, for, for a challenge that you've given us, Father God, to to step up our game in service, dear Lord, to, to be more enthusiastic, dear Lord, to put more energy and effort first to make ourselves available, dear Lord, to discover what you've given us, dear Lord, to find our place, to find our function where we can more effectively serve the body, and then, dear Lord, to, to serve with passion and enthusiasm, dear God, you know, to make the, to make folks more see you more in us dear Lord that they will want to come and serve you as well you know we thank you right now for the opportunities available 
We ask that you help us look for more opportunities on each and every day. Dear God, that you would touch us, that you would help us be more mindful and more aware, dear God, that the truly the harvest is plenty, dear Lord, and that we can be more available in our minds and in our spirits, dear God, to help serve. Dear Lord, we welcome the challenge. In Jesus' name, amen.